0: Welcome to the Gregory Diggout podcast. Luke chapter 21, verse 25 and 26. And today I want to talk to you about Jesus, the lifter of your head, Jesus, the lifter of your head. How many know that Jesus is a lifter? He lifts us. He doesn't push us down. He lifts us up. He doesn't pull us. He lifts us. He's the lifter of our head. And I'll get to that verse in a couple of moments. But I want you to see why this is so important because of the world that we're in today and because of what because of the circumstances that we face in our lives every day. Notice what Jesus says in the last days, he says there will be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity and the sea and the waves roaring. Now, Jesus is referring to a time before his second coming and everything God says is has happened, just like he said it would. And only the things that he and, and he, and he and only the things that he said would happen after the rapture are yet to take place because that's what's got to happen first. The rapture is the catching away of the church. But the point that I'm making here is this is what the time period, the sliver of time where he's speaking. But I really want to get to verse twenty six, which is more important and pertinent to both in those times, in those last days and in the days we're living in today. This applies as well, because watch when we read it, you'll see for yourself men's hearts failing them from fear, men's hearts failing them from fear. When he uses the word men here. It's mankind. It's not it's not meant to be just male. It's mankind, mankind's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, the, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And what he's saying here is this, is that our hearts fail because of fear. We give up because of fear. And we give up because he says men's hearts failing because of the expectation of things which are coming on the earth. And I want you to be prepared for the things that are coming to you tomorrow. I want you to be prepared for the things that are coming to you next month. I want you to be prepared for the things that are going to come against you next year. Because there will always be things happening in this world that will produce negative expectation, and we have to fight off negative expectation or the expectation of evil or the expectation of something bad happening. We got to fight that off with the expectation of something good happening in our life. We got to get to the place where we are really expecting good things to happen. And I'm going to show you exactly how to shift your expectation, because this is what Jesus does. Jesus gives us a reason to look expectantly and to be expectant that something good is going to happen in our lives. The Bible says in Psalm 23, our most famous chapter in Psalms that surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of our lives, all the days of your days of our lives, just like, just like the soap opera. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life is today. One of those days of your life, then goodness and mercy is going to follow you. But see, most most Christians are not expecting goodness and mercy to follow them every day. Many people that are believers today are expecting something bad to happen. And if things are going too good, they're like, oh, man, I better not jinx this knock on wood. I better not make some I better not make a mistake here. And then something bad's going to happen. See, that is a misconcept of God when you're when things are going good and you're like, I'm afraid that things might stop going good. I I don't want to do anything to jinx myself. No, stop that. If you wake up every day, if you would just wake up every day expecting good, expecting goodness, expecting mercy to follow you, it will. It already is following you. You're just not noticing it and not recognizing it and not focused on the good. Ten lepers were cleansed, but only one turned back. And what what made him turn back? It's not that he was the only one cleansed. All of them were. What made him turn back? It says in it says in Luke, Chapter 17, verse 15, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back. One of them saw that he was healed. In other words, one of them was focused on what God had done and the other ones were focused on what they had to still do. When you're always focused on what you still have to do, you won't be thankful. But when you're focused on what he's already done, you'll be thankful when he saw. Oh, man, I used to be a leper. It's gone. What Wait. What, what happened? What's happening with my sk- whoa? Thank you, Jesus. And he, when he saw when his eyes were on what Jesus did for him, he became thankful. But when your eyes are on what you have to still do, I got to go run to the priest and tell him what happened. Then you can't you won't turn back and be thankful you're focused on what you have to do rather than in what Jesus did. What we have to understand is that expectation is a powerful force and we're either expecting good or we're expecting bad every day of our lives. And I want to show you how to expect good all the time. So we live in a world that is governed and motivated and driven by fear the fear that something bad is going to happen so you better take this pill the fear of what could happen in your life so you better take this the fear that you are going to be missing out so you better buy this the fear that somebody's going to get ahead of you so you better fight harder you better do this more and everything that this world is governed by is it's governed by fear and which is which one one way we could put it is f e a r false expectations of appearing real false expectations of appearing real fear. And what fear is, is simply the expectation of something bad. It's the opposite of love. It's not the opposite of faith. I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. But the the two opposites are love and fear are the opposites. The opposite of fear is love. The opposite of love is fear. F- love drives out all fear. Fear is the abs- fear is believing in the absence of love or you're, 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 you don't believe in the presence of God's love. You don't believe that God's love is present towards you, active towards you, activating towards you. So you end up in fear. But perfect love casts out fear. So but we, we, we want to deal with this because even though in America, for those of you that are watching in other countries, you know, it's true that in America and some other developed countries, we have all the abundance. We have more wealth than than and than, than has ever been in the world in this country and in some of the other uh, well-developed countries around the world. But even though we're the richest nation in the world, we're probably the most anxious nation in the world. We have the most anxiety. We have the most depression. We have the most prescription medications of any nation in the world, even though we have so much abundance, there is there, there, are, there are more there, there there are more legal if I can say this and I don't say this in a negative way towards anybody, because I know what it's like to be addicted to something. And I know what it's like to to break out of addiction. I know what it's like to be under an addiction. But I can tell you this, that there are probably more legal addicts. There are probably more. Le- there are probably more legal legally addicted people than illegally addicted in our world because there's so much medication for every emotion that we feel. And I believe that Jesus wants to deliver us because anxiety and fear is the result of expecting the bad to happen. And love is expecting the good. Love is expecting the good. Well, let's let me let me back up for a second and make this clear. When Adam and Eve were with were with God in the Garden of Eden, they had all their needs met, they had perfect joy, perfect happiness, perfect peace, perfect love. And then when they bought the lie that if they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they'd be like God, it was a lie because why they already were like God. Right. But I want you to see the first thing The first thing that happens to Adam and Eve after they sin is found in Genesis 310 and notice the emotion. The first thing they feel, the first thing they say. So God says to Adam, where are you? And he says, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid. I was afraid. I was afraid. Now, this must take something really dramatic to hear the voice of God and be afraid, you see, because everywhere else after this, when somebody heard the voice of God, they were encouraged. When somebody heard the voice of God, they were inspired. When somebody heard the voice of God, they felt loved. You know, the opposite here, the the first thing that the first thing that Adam did, Adam now is because he separated from God, When he hears the voice of God, it produces fear in him because he doesn't believe in the love of God. Now he's separated from God. Therefore, he's separated from real love. And so when you're separated from love, you're afraid when you hear the voice of God, he said, I heard your voice and I became afraid. See, if you knew me, if you knew me and I say something and if you knew that my heart for you is to love you and to be kind to you and I've got the best for you and I and I want to I want to bless you with some good information, then then you wouldn't be if you wouldn't hide from me. All right. All right. Amen. And so Adam and Eve are now hiding from the from from the father because they have now they have come to the the worst possible place a human being could ever come to. And they, that is this place they doubted God's love for them. They doubted God's love for them. So now when God speaks to them, they don't hear love, they hear fear. They don't feel love. They feel fear because they don't feel love. They feel shame. They feel guilt. They feel condemned because of what they did. And so when God speaks, they run, they hide. They're afraid. I heard your voice in the garden. And I was afraid. So the first emotion that that came into the world after Adam and Eve sin was fear, fear. It's the granddaddy of all emotions. It's the mother of all negative emotions, negative feelings and negative a negative life It's fear. It's fear. It's fear. So notice when Jesus hears the voice of God for the first time, not He didn't hear his voice for the first time, but the first time we have it recorded when he heard when he heard the voice of God is in Mark one eleven. Mark one eleven is the first time we we have written in the Bible where Jesus heard the voice of God and in the New Living Translation. Let me read it to you in the New Living Translation of Mark one eleven. It says this, it says Mark one eleven and a voice from heaven. Saying What? You come on, read it now. You are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. So notice the contrast. Adam is separated from God and he says, when I heard your voice, I became afraid. Jesus is not separated from God. So when he hears his voice, here's what he hears. You are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. One of them responded to the voice of God with fear because they were separated from God. And one of them responded to the voice of God with confidence and trust and assurance because they heard because Jesus was not separated from God. He heard love. Adam was separated from God. He heard fear. Jesus was not separated from God. He heard love. So what we need to realize is that when you're born again, you're no longer separated from God. So when God speaks to you, it's only out of love that he's going to tell you anything. It's only out of love that he's going to speak to you. It's only love that he's going to get across to you. It's only love that he wants you to feel. It's only love that he wants you to hear. It's only love that he wants you to experience, because because perfect love casts out fear and fear is the expectation of bad. So the opposite is love. So love is the expectation of good. So when we read now, when we read John 316, we can read it a little differently than maybe just the same old, you know, a guy holding up a sign at a a football game. John 316. Let's read it a little differently. Now, let's read it with understanding the contrast between between love and fear. God so loved the world, right? For God so loved the world that he what that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So notice what love does. Love is accompanied with the greatest gifts of all. Jesus is the greatest gift of all. God so loved the world that he gave. 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 You see, we don't need to be going to God and saying, give me this, give me that, give me this, give me that. We need to go to God and say thank you for your love, because when you understand God's love, Your faith is activated to expect something good. God. So it says God so loved the world that he gave his son, his only at the time only begotten son. And whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Whoa, what a beautiful what beautiful news. You can't get any better news than that. So now because of love, we can now expect something good. And Romans eight thirty two continues this thought. So he who did not spare his own son, he who did not spare his own son. What does that equal love? What does that equal love? It equals love. He did not spare his own son. That's love. That's love, the cross, Jesus dying on the cross. That's love. That's love on the cross. That's that's the demonstration of love. So that that would set your expectation from this point on that your expectation would be whoa, because of his love, he gave me his son and and if he didn't spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? You don't have to beg, borrow or steal for God to give you all things. It's because of love. Well, if I pray long enough, will God No. what if I'm holy enough, will God then give no what if I'm what if I what if I fast enough, what if I treat people right enough? What if I see all of those things are good things to do at the right in right times and the right seasons for the right reasons. But if you do them to get something from God, it is a form of manipulation and God will not be manipulated. He can't be manipulated. That's witchcraft to try to manipulate and and, and and get a reaction from God. How many know we do that with people? We 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 manipulate them with our emotions. We want somebody to feel something so that they'll react a certain way towards us. We want we want them to feel uh, what we're going through so that we'll get their sympathy or we'll get their attention or we'll get it's, it's manipulation. Just hey, if you need some attention, just say, you know what, could you give me some attention real quick here? Just come out with it. Don't don't be passive aggressive with your pouting and emotions and negativity and nobody loved me and nobody cares. You're right. (laughs) Nobody can love that except God. (laughs) Thank God he loves you. But look, this this shift in our expectation is what I'm after here today, that if because he loved us, He gave us his son. And if with his son he will not withhold anything and he'll freely give us all things, then it is the love of God that we should be putting the weight of our faith in. My confidence then today is in the love that God has for me. And that will result in me having the capacity to receive anything I need from God because I know that love gives love, gives, love, gives, love, gives, love doesn't sell. Love gives love, doesn't trade. Love gives God gives. And all I got to do is believe that kind of love. and, And then I will expect good things to happen in my life every day, no matter how bad it is, somehow God's going to turn it around. Listen to what I'm about to say. If you're born again, God never leaves you, he will never leave you or forsake you. Can anybody say amen to that? Okay. he he never leaves you, but. We think. That his love is far from us or we think God can't love me after that or God doesn't love that about me. He loves everything about you. He doesn't love your sin. He doesn't love your mistakes, but he loves you in spite of them. And he loves you no less and no more when you obey or when you disobey. And my my point is this. It's to get to the point where you realize there's no separation between you and God and no separation between you. Jesus bridged you to God. So there is therefore now no separation between you and God and nothing can separate you from his love. Now, if nothing can separate you from his love and if love always gives, then there's nothing to be afraid of, no matter what your need is, no matter what you're lacking, whatever you need, whatever is missing in your life, if you will believe the love that God has for you, then that will shape your expectation and you will begin to expect good to happen no matter how bad your day is, no matter how bad your life is, no matter how bad your situation is, no matter how bad your circumstance is, and this is where all suffering comes from a belief system. All suffering is built upon a belief system. You you can always Uh, trace back why you are suffering to something that you believe, because there are many people that go through the same things that we go through. There are people that have gone through the same things that I've gone through or worse, but they weren't suffering because they believed God could deliver them from it and they believed God would deliver them from it. You see, the, the, the problem is not the suffering doesn't come from the problem. The suffering comes from what we believe about the problem. So when Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego are thrown into a fiery furnace, that seems like suffering. But that situation was not was not cause for them suffering. Why? Because they believed God would deliver them. They said, if you throw us. If you throw us in the fiery furnace, oh, great king, if you throw us in there, our God will deliver us. If you don't throw us in there, we're not bowing down to you. So they believed that God would never leave them. And even in a fiery furnace, they did not suffer. Because of what they believed.